They are forcing Jews out of their homes. They are taking us all to the ghetto. Thousands of people are dying. The littlest of children. We have room. We could hide them. Bring as many as you can. Have you been keeping secrets from me? What have you been up to in your little zoo? This is the N to Z of film with Andy and Rajiv. Welcome to the N to Z of film, season four, episode three, episode three already. Um, this episode, we are talking The Zookeeper's Wife, directed by Nikki Caro. New Zealand's own Nikki Caro. It's a film released in 2017. And here's a synopsis for you. Oh, by the way, I'm Rajiv Mishra, your co-host, and co-host is Andy James. Oh, yeah, me. Uh, and this season is, is, is Wanda Waihene, where we're discussing uh, the woman of New Zealand film. Man, I really screwed up that intro, huh? <laughs> it's totally cool. All right, here's the synopsis. <laughs> the zookeeper's wife tells the account of the keepers of the Warsaw Zoo and Antonina and Jan, Jan? Jan Zabinski, who helped save hundreds of people and animals during the German invasion of World War II. Specifically Jewish people. Jewish people. It didn't say that, but yes, yeah, specifically Jewish people because yeah. the Holocaust and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> this is the World War II film, if you didn't realise. Yeah, quite a big sort of film in that it takes place over the entirety of World War II. That's right, it does, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Poland, obviously, people that don't might not know, played a very big part of the war. <laughs> uh, it was the first country that Germany invaded, right? It was the 1st of September the Germans invaded. Yes. So, uh, this is a 2017 film. Uh, we're doing this because it's Nikki Caro, who is a New Zealand director that we have discussed in the podcast previously. She directed The Whale Rider and North Country, which we discussed in season one. Season and... Yes, season one. Season one. And I don't think we've discussed any of the other films after that point. Well, she's that, made it... and that's, that's partly because... Hello, this is the podcast where two friends on opposite sides of the world talk about uh, New Zealand-linked films, and I'm the one on the other side of the world, and sometimes it's tricky to get a hold of some <laughs> things. Specifically yeah. New Zealand films. So she made um, so she made Whale Rider, and then she went to Hollywood and made North Country with Francis McDormand. Vintner's Luck, based on New, New, uh, Theron, sorry. And The Vintner's Luck, which was based on a New Zealand um, novel. Uh, McFarlane USA, which I think we were just we were going to do, but we never got around to doing. Which looks like an interesting film. Well, uh, yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was again. This is this is why sometimes the seasons are a bit of a hodgepodge, is because it depends on what I can get. And right. uh, the Zookeeper's Wife was more available to me than McFarlane USA. Right, and and also it's a more recent film, so you know sometimes it's yeah. good to actually discuss films that aren't twenty years old, which is nice. <laughs> um, so people can actually see them, and you know, so it's a it's a it's got some. It's got one American actress in it, and it, you know, it would have got a somewhat of a wider release than many of the New Zealand films we're talking about on this podcast. What was what was interesting to me is that she um, directed um, the pilot for the Anne of Green Gables reboot, and with an E, uh, which my wife my wife was a big fan of the Anne of Green Gables TV series as a kid. Actually, I think she was a fan of the books, not necessarily the TV series. But um, we watched the pilot, and she was like, "This is all right, but it's not quite what she was looking for." I don't. I have no vested interest in Anne of Green Gables at all. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. I remember thinking it looked really pretty. Is it like uh, a gritty reboot, like Riverdale is for the Archie comics? 
I don't I don't have a state because actually does Anne sell E? Is that where the E comes from? She sells E. Yeah, she sells E. No, I, I don't actually know what the original is like, but the sequ- this remake, she's like, oh, she's treated pretty pretty badly by some folk in the story, like the flash flashbacks to her orphanage life. But you know, the folks on the farm, uh, Green Gables, I think it's called. Um, Seemed very nice. Anne of Green Gables, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, so I thought it was good. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was well made. It was, you know, working with child actors is always difficult. I thought the the performances Nikki Cara got out of Anne were great. Uh, and the biggest news about about New Zealand's on Nikki Caro is that she will be directing Mulan, the, the live That's action right. Disney film. Yes, it's just very exciting. I'm excited about that. I'm like, this is cool, a live action film. She was um, rumored to be directing Marvel's. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. <laughs> she was one of the three female directors, I think, that were shortlisted. Yes, I think I remember reading something along those lines and thinking, oh, Nikki Caro, that would be rad. Another how Kiwi. Cool, <laughs> how, how great would that have been for our nerdy Kiwi selves to have two <laughs> Kiwis directing MCU stuff? But anyway, <laughs> still working with Disney, so. Yeah, that's right. So that, I, the biggest thing that I was surprised by is that its release date is listed as 2018. Which is this year? I was like, "Oh, holy cow!" <laughs> I'm pretty they just sure casting that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Like, as far oh, as man. I can tell, on, on IMDb, there's nothing. There's no other cast listed except for the lead. So, we'll see how that goes. So that, that release date might change. I suspect that release date will change. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and if we're just going in behind the scenes stuff, the the thing that I I know I picked up the most of was. Uh, there's another New Zealander. There's a um, David Coulson is is the editor. So and he's edited all of Nikki Kara's films after since Whale Rider. So he he was he comes from an editing commercials background, which is what Nikki Kara comes from directing commercials. So that's where they first met, and uh, she brought him along on Whale Rider, and then uh, off to America and back to New Zealand, and off to America again. So he's he's a big time editor guy now, which is cool. Boom, boom. Exciting. And the other weird, other weird bit of trivia, just before we get into the movie discussion, is the the musician Harry Grisson Williams is not a New Zealander, but seems to have made the music for a lot of movies shot in New Zealand, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, the Narnia and Shrek films, which were directed by Andrew Adamson, the New Zealand guy, uh, Meg, which is coming out soon. I'm excited about. It. He's the music guy on Meg, and our favorite X Men film, X Men Origins Wolverine. So brilliant. Lots of New Zealand yes, X-Men Origins, Wolverine. Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, all right. That's that's all the behind-the-scenes uh, rubbish that I thought was interesting. <laughs> Onto the film. Um, Onto the film itself, starring Jessica Chastain. That's right. Uh, in the lead role of the zookeeper's wife, based on, well, the true story. It's based on a non-fiction book, which is, is itself based on her, her diary. diary, which I guess is uh, why it's the zookeeper's wife and not the zookeeper, I guess. Yeah, I mean, this is something I wrestled with during the film. I, I quite enjoyed the movie, but I did, up until an hour and uh, 12 minutes in, I was like, why is this film called The Zookeeper's Wife? <laughs> like, uh, the zookeepers, uh, both of them, the zookeeper and his wife, both seem to do quite uh, important things in the story. So yeah, I wasn't quite it's, sure. <laughs> it's got an interesting energy to it. I think it's got it's 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 very much from the female perspective. I mean, obviously, hmm. it's been... Originally written by a woman, the script for this film was written by written by a woman, directed by a woman. The main character is um, a woman, so it's got that sort of um, mm. uh, oh God POV, I think is the term I'm looking for there. But um, yeah, interesting. And 
it's a it's an interesting story and it's a it's a compelling story and it is it's more it's about the family yeah i was a little bit like oh shit because you know i quite i quite enjoy a good world war ii film and i guess that's the the boys adventure guy and me going shit look at look at what jan's doing like that scene where he he saves the girl and he's like putting people into the truck and you know, he's taking risks. I'm like, this is exciting, you know, dangerous. Uh, it's not like Jessica Chastain's character is not also taking risks. I just thought they were both taking risks. And I was like, you know, they're both sort of equal. In fact, um, she's less active at the beginning than he is. Like, he comes up with all the ideas and he's an active part of the Warsaw Resistance. So I, I just thought it was a bit unfair. But, you know, whatever. It's still I still enjoyed the film. <laughs> um, and then once he, uh, spoilers everyone, once he is assumed dead, she really, you know, takes center stage, as, as it were. Uh, and does some quite interesting stuff with uh, Daniel Bruhl's character, who is uh, zoologist Nazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So the start of the film is before uh, the kickoff to World War Two, and uh, Jessica Chastain and her husband and their young son run a, a zoo, and you can tell it's a very old-timey zoo because animals are just hooning about everywhere. She's got... Lion cubs chilling out with her uh, boy having a nap. People are lining up to get into the gates. Lining up the gates to get in, I should say. And then we're introduced to Daniel Brawl's character at a sort of cocktail party that they're they're having. And there seems to be some sort of, not quite attraction, but almost like an understanding or something between Jessica Chastain's character and Daniel Brawl's character. Yeah, I was a little confused. Which I thought was an interesting setup because, you know, she's married and she's obviously very much in love with her husband. Mm. But there's there's an interesting tension with the two of them. Well, he, he comes to her defense at, in that moment, which which yes. is what sort of, um, you know, gives merit to their relationship. So I, I guess there's a mutual respect because he, he respects her sciencey ways and she him. Um, but I was a little just just for clarification, like when he was introduced, did you get what he was immediately? I was confused for quite a while. I was well, like, oh, that- well, he told this story about like shooting lion cubs, and I was like, oh, does he, you know, because he's not introduced as like, oh, this guy is Hitler's zoologist, you know? I was like, oh, is he a hunter? Does he help get animals into zoos? Like, oh, he has his own zoo? Oh, what? I don't. Who is this guy? Well, that's, yeah, it's that's that's what I, he's introduced as you know, telling a story about how he has to kill. Uh, a mother lion right but then he says you know but then luckily her cub survived so he's sort of introduced as a hunter but who does it reluctantly almost like right. we'll we'll do it only if it needs to be done and like so very quickly after that scene jessica Jastain's character goes to help a newborn baby elephant and the elephants are all in an uproar and Brawl's character, his first words are, why doesn't that man have a gun? You know, he's, right. he's, yeah, always, yeah. he's thinking of animals only as dangerous, wild things. That's right. The things he can do stuff with for his own purposes, which fits in nicely yeah. later on once which, you well, find out he's a Nazi. Later, which he's just, well, yeah, but I think he's introduced, the character is introduced in a more interesting fashion that, than what actually ended up being done with him. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do think um, at the beginning he does seem more interesting than later on. Although even even later on, like I don't, he doesn't come off like like you would see a Nazi in Indiana Jones. Like he's more nuanced than that, which is cool. Yeah. Um. Uh. But his uh, he has he has this line of like I'm a zoologist, not a politician, and 
you know, he's and then someone brings up someone brings up Germany, you know, and their invasion, and, and uh, Jan's all like, not here, not here. So it was at first when he was introduced, I was like, oh, he's he's a reluctant Nazi, but then later on, he seems to be quite the Nazi. Yeah, it's that, and again, that um, cocktail scene is there's there's a really interesting tension there because there's that sort of everyone feels like they're on the eve of war almost, you know. Mm, That's right. Yeah, but sort of it's not quite there, and no one can really deep down believe that it's going to happen. That's right. Yeah. So someone even says that, don't they? Oh, this will that will never happen. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, and he says, you know, I'm a zoologist, not a politician. And then of course he shows back up, and he's Hitler's chief zoologist. So he's, he's in like a he's like in he's in a you know, third right uniform. So yeah, he's a it's it's interesting. Um, there's also like something that never comes back, but in that opening scene, there's like a weird sort of class tension where people are sort of making fun of, uh, yeah, Jessica Chastain's character for being the wife of a zoologist, like the wife of a zookeeper. Like haha, she she plays with animals all day, and then like she has that great scene where she saves the elephants. So it's like, ah, screw you guys, <laughs> I'm awesome. But that class thing, that, yeah, class thing doesn't really come back. But unless it's, I miss it with the the Jew versus Gentile thing. But um, Jan Jan brings up like he he says like uh, you know I I grew up with these people like I don't see any difference, which is cool. I just thought I was I kind of was like oh why are they making fun of her? I guess it's just simply because she's a woman doing work. Is that is that where that comes from? Yeah, okay, probably. Probably. Okay. <laughs> Woman shouldn't do work. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention when you talk about that um, camels running around, this is just something that I thought was interesting to me. Have you seen a movie called uh, Ride the High Country? Western? No, I know of ah. it though. Oh, cool. So that's Sam Peckinpah's Western. And and that film starts off with uh, uh, the lead actor, whose name I've forgotten, God damn it, um, walking into this Western town and there's a freaking camel racing around the town. Because like this, this guy has set up a circus show where he can race camels and he'll beat he'll beat your horse by riding on his camel and that's just you know this this camel running around. I'm like, hey, it's like ride the high country. I don't wonder if she's influenced by. It. But I also brought that up because that's my favorite animal in the entire film is that camel doing his oh, baby ride. camel. So great, so my favorite thing. I was so sad when they shot the camel. That made me very sad. Yeah, stupid Nazis. But you know, goddamn <laughs> <laughs> Nazis, killing animals, fucking Nazis. So can I bring up now um, Daniel Brühl's character's big plan for the bison? <laughs> can I do that now? Please do. Okay. So uh, I actually laughed out loud at that moment where I was like, what? <laughs> what? He went a bit John Hammond. And I was like, what's going on? Like his whole plan, like because he ends up like, you know, because he's a Nazi, essentially stealing the best animals from the zoo and then they kill the rest of them for his own zoo back in um, Munich, right? Is he from Munich? Berlin. Um Brilliant, sorry, yes, brilliant. Um, but his plan is like to take the wonderful bison, the beautiful bison that she has, and breed uh, aurochs, which are uh, giant oxen that have been extinct for 300 odd years because he wants to bring them back to life for some reason. It's yeah, very well, stretch. I found it interesting. I wonder if that's based on. Uh, Real events, actually. Now thinking oh, about it, because it well, totally sort of... is. I looked it up. It totally oh, is. All right. Okay. Good. Because I mean, to me, it tied into that whole <sighs> Teutonic myth making of fucking Hitler's Germany. You know, the exactly. Yeah. 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 Like the back to the roots and the Aryan stuff. Like I was really, I was like, what is this? Is this like a weird Indiana Jones subplot where Hitler was trying to freaking 
mass produce oxen Create that he an could use. super animal. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? What is this? So I had to look it up. I was like, oh, this... Because I thought, oh, maybe they, maybe that's creative license. Maybe they just made him look like a crazy person. It's totally real. Him and his brother, Heinz and Lutz, um, Heck, uh, tried to make a, a thing. And it was called the Heck Cattle. They, they, did, they both started their project individually. And both, both of them posted that they had uh, success in, bre- in breeding the aurochs. Uh, they did not succeed because that's not how science works. Um, no. They are they are just idiots. <laughs> there are multiple papers saying that no, there's there's basically no real scientific method to what they were doing, uh, and they were just um, delusional. Yet, even to this day, the heck cow, the heck cattle, still exists as a distinct species, even though it's not really a distinct species. Our, I would love to listen to John Ronson's BBC Four radio docker called "The Quest for the Aryan Cow." Which is about oh, this story. Jesus. That's my next thing. That's my next podcast I'm gonna listen to. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I know, it's only a small part. They barely talk about it in the film, but I was just like, my immediate reaction was like, super cows? What? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, so <laughs> this is this is this is the zookeeper's wife, not <laughs> Nazi super cows. The movie. <laughs> Nazi super cows. The movie. But did you think that too? Did you go? Wait a minute. Did you like pause? You go, he wants to do what? Because it just seemed like it came out of nowhere. Um, like, no. Okay. I just like, oh, that's crazy. <laughs> but, you know, them guys are fucking crazy. I'm bug nuts. Because <laughs> Jan, even Jan, as the audience surrogate, is like, uh, they have been a stick for 300 years. What are yeah. you talking about? <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> yes, during that scene, because they 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 have come to him to try and get approval to turn their zoo into a pig farm. That's right. Which is the cover for their plan to um, get Jewish people out of the ghetto by hiding them in trash they collect from the ghetto to ostensibly feed the pigs. So That's they're right. asking for this favor. Daniel Brawl's character comes out with this insane plan. <laughs> Like when, it's they're, when insa- they're like it's I mean what it's like I'm gonna get an emu and an ostrich and I'll have them mate and that way I'll bring back the mower. <laughs> well, the 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 theory is it is that the DNA is still within these animals. So if we selectively breed them, I oh. guess like like Nazi eugenics, then we can bring up the uh, the correct uh, genes. And and so uh, the heck cattle I did, a lot of reading. Works. I did a lot of reading into this which is really interesting i mean it kind of works in the sense that they bred the um purely aesthetic ideals of what this animal used to look like so yeah so he bred them so that they had the similar horn structure and similar color of coat uh oh, but that's it like it's purely aesthetic like i got i was just really fascinated sorry this is such a tangent but i was just like sorry what? it is and i was so, saying, so when they're in that scene john sort of says that's impossible and we're like <laughs> both at the same time i was like that is 100 percent correct and to <laughs> shut your mouth you're trying to get something from this crazy man i know but his and his and, and hicks response to that to yarn being like don't be an idiot is i know everything about genetics and you know nothing so i'll make my damn super cow however i damn well please <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, freaking weirdo um but they are successful in it's in setting up this uh pig farm which is great so they end up saving I think the end the end credit scroll said three thousand odd Jewish 300. people. Oh, 300. Oh, 300. 300 odd people. Three hundred from the, uh, the the Warsaw ghetto, which is which yeah. is amazing. And so they they uh, kind of about halfway through the film, they've got a regular kind of lot. 
That's right. That are living in the basement of the of the house that the family live in in the middle of the zoo, mm. which is also a crazy thing to say. Um, <laughs> yeah, so they've got this like a dozen Jewish people that live in their basement for pretty much the duration of the war, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. That's right. And uh, they have that housekeeper, the German housekeeper, that they're worried about, but she ends up being an ally. Um, yeah, now that's... I imagine- I found that interesting. So there's there were there's a couple of times in the film mm. where an outsider yep. um who they who the family sort of know comes in mm. and discovers or intimates that they know what is knows what Happening. they're doing. That yeah. They're, you know, smuggling these people out and hiding these people and against, you know, the against the law of the Germans, I guess. Um and there's kind of there's always that tension of, oh, they've been found out, but then it's almost always immediately deflated. Right. Yeah. 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 Which I guess it's is a like, problem. Oh, they know. Oh, they're gonna help. Okay. Phew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I guess none of those none of those things are considered in the three act structure of the story. The lowest point. The lowest point I feel is like when she, when Jan is thought to be dead. Right. That. That's. Yeah. That's, and and that's not related at all to uh, saving Jewish people from the ghetto. Which no, because he's he's just going <laughs> off with the um, sort of reconstituted Polish army to liberate Warsaw. So yeah, it's that's right. A, it's related but separate. Separate. Yeah, I, that was yeah. that was a little bit jarring to me. Like at the beginning when they start the smuggling of Jewish folk out of the ghetto, like he's like, oh, I've got a friend and they need help. Uh, before that point, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, he's in the essentially the, the the Polish resistance, the army, as you said, the reconstituted army, and they need help, and they want to help, they want to hide out and stuff, and then that begins the process of them starting to smuggle folk out of the ghetto. It's like the idea. So it never seemed to me like he was like an active soldier, but then all of a sudden he's like in the army, and I did some reading, and he was a lieutenant, like when he joined up the resistance. But I felt like that wasn't necessarily that clear to me. I was like, oh shit, now he's firing a gun in the army. Oh, when did that happen? <laughs> Seemed like a jump. But it was cool. Like I was like, that was a cool scene. But I felt like that, that yeah, could have been introduced was, I mean, a bit and better. <laughs> I was like, I was watching. I was like, yeah, Nicky Curry doing World War Two action. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> I, actually, I wonder if this story though may have played out a little bit better or had a bit more room to breathe and and to have that flow. If it was like a mini series. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I felt I would have just felt because like... it is it is based on real life events and it, it takes place over like six years or something yes that's right and yeah i felt i felt like the tension between him and his wife like daniel Brühl is in there causing some sort of hiccups but i thought oh you know if he's going off to it's one that it's one thing where she's helping him you know get people out of the ghetto and he's away at times in the ghetto and she's she's frightened because she's by herself in the house that's a level of tension but then another level of tension would be like oh i'm going off to fight in the war now you know like that would have been something where i was like oh that would have helped build even more character stuff and it just seems to come out of nowhere it's still cool, but I just felt like, yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I thought, you know, if this is a miniseries, there might be, uh, there might be more room for that sort of stuff. Uh, just because there is, there is a lot sort of going on, sort of in and around the events. Yeah. Um, we I sort of skipped over this, but there's something that I wanted to mention about the the opening when you know uh, the invasion begins, the German invasion, um, mm. and the zoo gets bombed. Right, like that's that's the first we see of it. We hear yeah, man, the, we hear the amazing. It was a really great sequence. I was like, this is some great filmmaking. And what I liked the most about it, and it sort of, 
I found a review that talked about how this film isn't about the big things. It's about the internal uh, things that people feel during the war, you know, what people have to overcome in order to live in, in wartime. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that in that in that big bombing sequence, we don't see the planes. Like, it's not it's not a war film. It's not like, this is a World War II film now. Action, war. It's like, it's yeah, the people we're gonna and Yeah, we're going to cut to an aerial view of the planes flying overhead and all that sort of things. No, yeah, it's very much on the ground. Yeah, and it's about what people are doing in that and, moment and the animals and everyone's yeah, scattering. Yeah, she, she, she's always focused on the characters' faces or the animals reacting. That's right. Oh, that's yeah. a really good point, yeah. Because, and I, I mean, thought, it starts off with her going to get her son and then suddenly, boom, a bomb drops right next to them. That's right, yeah, and, and next to the house. I mean, the only time we ever see an airplane or any sort of military vehicle, we don't even see tanks in this movie, um, is is um, at the at the train station through the windows and the roof of the train station, just briefly, a plane flies overhead. And at first oh, I yeah. was like, cynical Regie was like, oh, they haven't got any budget, but look at the small filmmakers. But, you know, I was like, actually, this is really cool. This is a really good choice. Um, yeah. Uh, it helps you, gra- it helps ground you. And also, you really feel for those animals, man. Like, those animals are just like... Freaking the fuck out, and, and then uh, you know, which and then leads to that uh, really great sort of very surreal sequence of tigers and lions wandering around streets uh, of torn streets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People, people are just like looking, looking out through windows. Their windows. Going, what the fuck? <laughs> There's a lion here. What do I do about the lion? Um, I enjoyed later on, like after the bombing raid's over, where people are bringing the animals back. And I thought, oh, I wonder mm. if it's like there's going to be a parallel with like, oh, the people that are helping out the most are, are the Jewish folk, but that didn't really play out. But uh, I just like that, you know, people carrying kangaroos and leading camels back into the, the zoo. I was like, that's nice. But also, <laughs> it's very sad when they're like freaking burying the giant bison and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. Uh, yeah, IMDb but then that's tri- where the garden grows at the end. That's right. Uh, IMDb trivia. Yeah, it's all happy and happy and nice. Uh, the war is over. <laughs> um, the IMDb trivia tells me that there are no CGI animals in this film, so they really freaked those animals out. So, bad filmmakers. <laughs> no, no, there'd be. I imagine there'd be puppet. I imagine the 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 elephant uh, being bored as a puppet. Surely you would. Yeah, that would. Yeah, that would have <laughs> yeah, to be sure. a puppet. I mean, it'd uh, be crazy otherwise. And I was well, and just on the animals though, I was like Jessica Chastain. She's right up in there with them. Yeah, she you know cool. she's introduced. She's feeding hippo. She's trying to get this baby elephant breathing, and she's got an elephant trunk like just <laughs> flopping about all over her. It's almost you know the opening where she's riding her bike through the zoo. It's almost um, commando esque, and it's sort of cheesiness <laughs> to get that level of like look at look at this beautiful woman, and she's like she's at one with the animals. <laughs> she's like holding tiger like lion cubs and stuff. It's just. You know, but it's overcome by the fact that uh, Jessica Chastain, uh, more so than Anna Schwarzenegger, was ever able to do seems very earnest. I believe her. You know, mm. uh, she's at one with those animals. She really does love those animals, which is why it's so heartbreaking when they kill them. Yeah, when they're all taken away or killed. Yeah, or killed. Yeah, that sucks. Very like she, like that scene where they're where they're loading the um, the truck up with the bear, with the lion cubs. Oh man, they got me. I was like, oh, poor lion cubs. Going off to a Nazi zoo, goddamn Nazi zoo. <laughs> That's and then well then that leads uh, these zookeepers to make their zoo into a human zoo. Human zoo. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, shall we get into um, stuff with with the the Warsaw Ghetto? 
So um, I was reading an interesting review from, where was it? Where was it? The New York Times. There were various negative sort of reviews. Um, Stephen Holden of the New York Times said it's like Schindler's List with pets. Um, so there were Jeez. a few. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so timid and critis and, and sanitized it feels almost safe for children. It feels like a Disney version of the Holocaust. Now, I was really interested in this because while I was watching it, I was like, you know, this feels like a very safe version of the Holocaust. And then but then as I was watching it, you know, like the more I watched it, it's it's about the internal things, which is what this other review is, was talking about, where they said, um uh the war is a great external event. This is this is from um, the San Francisco Chronicle. An external event, but um, Nikki Kara reminds us that it was experienced internally by the people and the animals who were trying uh, to live through it. And I and I thought, you know, that's it. Because at first I was like, oh, shit, you know, this is the ghetto. We should really be seeing the plight of these people. But then I was like, well, do we need that? We've had Schindler's List. Uh, anyone that has any interest in this stuff has seen countless real-life amounts of footage uh, of actual um, Holocaust victims. And it's not, it's not, that's not the story. The story is about what, what people are willing to do in order to help, right? It's not about yeah, look how well, bad the no, Nazis then, are. Well, no, because you can also then go, well, so I've got two thoughts here. One, you can go the other way and it becomes some sort of form of, I don't know, torture porn or, or yeah, Holocaust you know, porn. Sort of like yeah, Holocaust yeah. porn. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, that's disgusting. And I don't sort of need that. But, and, and secondly, I think, Nicky Caro gets at least off the top of my head three really good, really um, tough images or sequences. Yeah, specific specific sequences. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly so, what I thought. I thought it's really intimate. You really get that. Well, I mean, so this is so when uh, John first drives in with his truck with his plan to get rubbish and Jews to smuggle out. He's driving down the street and a young, like a girl, a girl, like, yeah, younger, yeah young girl no older than like 12 years old or whatever gets sort of hassled by two german soldiers and then forcibly led down a back alleyway and you know very obviously raped <laughs> raped so that's you know it's a harrowing like, sequence yeah yeah that's it's really tough and it's not like it's the the assault isn't shown it's only them taking her down the alleyway mm. and then she appears back later, battered and bruised. So it's not and bloody and bloody. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not graphic or anything, and it doesn't need to be. It's it's interesting though because because those and then later on those you know those people that they help get killed and there are specifics that are quite oh shit that's you know the things these people had to go through is is awful. Well then, and it's, yeah. and it's not it's not the Holocaust for pets. Like I was thinking, what what is this what film are these guys watching? Like it's. Uh, and they said, you know, oh, we, you know, you feel more for the animals than you do for the humans. I'm like, I don't know whether that's true. I think maybe you watched a different film. Like, it's not about the mass amount of people that were killed. That's a different film. It's yeah. about the specifics of what these two people tried to do, and who they helped. And those, you know, when when that those two women are shot, and she hears about. Oof. You know, it kills her. Like she's devastated. It's not about like you know, hun- like ninety percent of of Jewish people in Poland were killed. Um, and it's not that story. It's not about that. There are things that tell that story, and it, that's yeah. fine. But this is a different thing. But this and thing I th- is what I don't, and I don't think it's a Disney Hollywood fucking version of the Holocaust. Because then, and then, I mean, again, you've got the um, when they 
clear out the ghetto and they oh man when they tell everyone the night before you know pack your things that's right we're mm-hmm. moving you out of the ghetto so everyone packs their things and then the next morning they're loaded onto trains and the germans take their things and just dump them on the ground because they're obviously not going to need them anymore no i mean that's there's scene... an old man with oh, a, like Jesus a group Christ. of children that he's trying to keep calm and like John's there trying to get the doctor out, but he's like, I have to stay here with the kids and try and keep them calm for whatever is coming. And so he's helping he helps these kids put the kids on the train. On the train. It's just like, oh, holy. <laughs> like, he's like, he's trying so hard to get the. Like, he's like, my car's just outside. Like, we could go. And he's like, no, I have to help. You know, you should, you should help me too. And so, yeah, Jan is. Under the under the watch of Nazis, helping put children on a Nazi death train, like it's just harrowing. Like I was just like yeah. that, that scene got me. I was like, oh man. <laughs> like so to say that it's you know I mean because we don't see emaciated people or brutal death and destruction. I mean I, I I don't buy that reading really. Yeah, it was interesting to me because I was I was wondering about whether we give films about the holocaust um not we give like they uh can be lazy because it's a dramatic shorthand for character yeah like we don't you know like oh look at all these emaciated people that's awful and we immediately get it but i I, it got me thinking about the wider aspect of world war ii and storytelling like when the first title card of this film comes up and it says warsaw 1939 right Mm. that it has so much weight like you know like you know, we we already we already know so much, and is that that's that's not a cheat, right? Like that because it was a real thing that happened. So that's all you need to tell the story, right? Like I was thinking yeah. about like what a storytelling cheats or what a what's what's allowed and what's not in the in the telling of a Holocaust story. Like we like what you just said a minute ago. We don't need to see the emaciated bodies. We know that's what the story is, right? Yeah, we, we know, know we know what happens at the end of that train line yeah yeah i mean unless you're young and you haven't been initiated to the holocaust which is which is good because hopefully there's still innocent folk out there but most people are like those people are all dead now they're all just going to die that's the Mm. end of their lives uh which is you know and it's just people getting on a train and i was like almost at the brink of tears like it's just jesus how can this happen how can this happen in the world (laughs) yay fun film (laughs) Fun film, yeah. So this 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 reading of the film is like you feel more for the animals. I'm like, I don't know whether that's true at all. Like, we all love animals. Yeah, <laughs> I feel bad for the animals because they're cute, and then they're just you know cruelly shot down. Well, like, so uh, one thing that jumped out at me in particular is when uh, Jessica Chastain is saving that baby elephant. Yeah, there's just one shot of the elephant mother. And it's just, it's like a close up on the elephant's face and its eye. And it's sort of, it, it's really human. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of of the course. Only way I could think to describe it. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. and also, you know, people that understand what elephants are know that they're intelligent creatures. And this film, you can see it. Like, you know, the scene where she's saving the baby and the elephant's, the mother's trunk is all over her yeah. shoulders. Like she's trying to. I don't know. Talk to Jessica Chastain's character, like they're they're in a conversation, and I mean Jessica, she talks to them like they're her children, right? Like she talks yeah. to animals, like that's how. And then of course, looks... one of the elephants is shot, and it's like, oh, Jesus. 
Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's bad all round. <laughs> that's right. It's bad all round. <laughs> um, so one thing that I feel like an idiot for, and I had to look it up because I was a little confused by it, and I'm still a little confused by it. You know with the guy that was the friends friends with the um, – the, the entomologist, the bug guy, and he comes, yes. you know, one, he's one of those guys that's like, oh shit, they've been found out, but he ends up being a helper. Yeah. So he works for the Bureau of Works, right? Yeah, the Bureau of Labor or something. Labor. So when he when he tells you, oh, you don't, you know, you, you don't have to use your rubbish truck anymore. You can just come through my offices and get people. So they're signing workers out with these fake permits. Yes, and, I think so. And later on, where there's um, the character of uh, Frankel, Frankel, the the guy they help out, the emaciated Jewish man. Um, he, you know, he makes a big stick about like in front of the Nazi guy who's like, "Who is this guy?" And he's like, oh, "He's a doctor." He's, you know, do you, do you want me to go and go back and no, oh, yeah, you know, cause yeah. a stink. Um, so that one I got. I'm like, okay, cool. So have they been like, oh, this guy is in the ghetto, but I need him for my work because he's a doctor. And is it a little confusing to me because I aren't they supposed to be returned to the ghetto, but they never get returned to the ghetto? I wasn't quite sure how that worked. Did you get it? Yeah, I think it was just yeah the they were taking um jewish people out of the ghetto under the pretense of using them for labor right you know as i'm sure they did they 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 did yeah and then yeah just never got them. i don't not know returning. maybe they just had poor bookkeeping okay <laughs> well i'm guessing that the department of labor which is presided by this guy has the bookkeeping so no one no one is no one else is keeping track of it. i was just a little confused i'm like you know what, how are they just taking people out because because you couldn't take children out and that during that using that system so the children would have to still come through the the rubbish trucks i imagine anyway i was just a little confused but yeah. okay that that is the explanation thank you thank you for that clarification yes. for Rajiv being dumb um <laughs> So Shira Haas plays Ursula, the the girl that he saves, the first girl. Now, she, for me, in this film is a standout performance. I thought she was great. And I was very glad that she didn't get killed. I was like, oh, God, I hope she doesn't get killed. <laughs> like every other freaking World War II Holocaust story. Um, just the the level of intensity in her eyes the whole time. Like, I was just like, man, that is some good, that is some good directing that person is great i hope she uh gets more and more work as she gets older and there was one comment that uh who wrote this um the casting of jan this guy um johan heldenberg someone said that he was miscast essentially because he wasn't handsome enough um was it um oh i saw that in a review as well and i was like oh that's a bit it's a bit harsh Despite him taking the most risks in the story, it was a mistake not to cast someone more striking in Jan's role. I was like, oh, I really liked him. I thought he was great. I thought he was a, like a stoic, reliable guy, you know, like a steadfast dude. And he was, like that was his whole deal. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's like they're thinking in comparison to Jessica Chastain, who is just... Beautiful? Yeah, well, she's quite a striking-looking Person. person but she's also quite a striking performer so you can see that he's he's very good and that in that role as written as well but i don't know maybe they were thinking having someone equally as striking a performer i mean he's they, very he's he is quite is he too understated is that what they're worried about? i think i think maybe that's it they're thinking he's too understated and he he does have a more understated performance than jessica chastain but then she also gets quite a few very big emotional moments in the film that's right so 
he he's the one that's trying to keep on because he's the one that's out and about going into the ghetto and getting people out so i guess he's got to keep a lid on things more right whereas jessica chastain's character is the one at home trying to make sure no one gets found out so that's a different sort of tension yeah. I just thought, I mean, if they, if it's purely based on what he looks like, I was like, he's not an ugly dude, right? Like, he's an okay-looking dude. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a bit, I thought that was a bit harsh. I, I also just thought he was, um, I like that sort of a character where he's sort of quiet and stoic. I was a little bit disappointed, but I guess it's understandable. He was, like, so angry with her for, like, fl- I guess flirting in inverted commas with Daniel Burrell's character. Uh, and she quite clearly explained to him that she's frightened, and that's the reason why she did what she had to do. Uh, and he's just like not understanding of that, but I guess they're both living quite tense, tension-filled lives, so that's what causes. Yes, and of course he, you know, <laughs> he's a dude and can't recognize her perspective on it. That's right. And Daniel Brühl is so handsome, so I guess that's threatening because he's such an ugly actor. It's <laughs> 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 fucking variety review. It sucks. Um, can we talk briefly? Sorry, is there anything else you want to talk about regarding that? No. 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 Um, can we, t- can so. we talk about accents? We talked about accents previously on this uh, show. Uh, okay. Podcast. It's going to be so, an interesting. So interesting I talk. talked. I talked briefly how I, in the past I worked on a production that was a World War Two New Zealand um, production set in France, where all the French characters were speaking English with French accents, uh, and one actor, John John Lang, <laughs> John Lang, decided to just just do British as opposed to uh, a Kiwi accent or a French accent because you know. Everyone's <sighs> is foreign. So <laughs> in this film, everyone is uh, in Poland and there are German characters and Polish characters and whatnot. But everyone's obviously speaking English, except every now and English. then there's German. But then also the German people speak English. And I, th- I guess when the German people speak English, that's Polish? Quite understand how it works. I mean, it's yeah. fine because we, it's, it's great because we can understand what everyone's saying. So hooray for being able to understand a film without subtitles. <laughs> um, uh, but, <laughs> you heathen. I'm such a heathen. Like I would, there was a, there was a, apparently. Um, I was reading on the Wikipedia page. There is a Polish um, director that's interested in making a story about Jan specifically. So that'd be good. A Polish film with Polish people in it, for you know, uh, the authenticity. But so, what do you think, Andrew? Like, uh, what do you think about Jessica Chastain's accent? Like, I, I, I don't know what a Polish person really sounds like. So I was like, it's fine. I don't have a problem with it. Um, but would you prefer if she just did like British, nondescript British, because that's what everyone thinks of Europe? <laughs> I used to have a real bugbear about films. I guess World War Two films specifically, where all of the characters were German or Polish or French-speaking characters, but all of them spoke in English. English. Right. Yeah. And typically, if they were Nazis, they were played by English actors. That's right. Very, very. Very English accents. Um, Sometimes German accents, but yeah, English accents. Yeah, and it's it's actually kind of <laughs> I got in a, I got in a real pip about it at one point in my life, and that's why I never went and saw Valkyrie. I was like, hey, just <laughs> I can make it in German, Jesus. <laughs> or or would you be right with them just using their own accents? Because that's what Sean Connery does, and I'm fine with that. Well, I mean, I think there's there's an exception for people like Sean Connery and Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I think it's because <laughs> they literally can't do anything except their natural accents. <laughs> except for the fact that Sean Connery uh, had a, a, an acting a tutor, a voice coach on Highlander, and you can't tell. Um, no, it just sounds like Sean Connery. It sounds like Sean Connery. In every other film. 
I've sort of mellowed on that view of things, and it's just you know sometimes it's that's just how the story is going to get told. Now, now you live in Guernsey, so have you encountered? And you've lived in England before. Have you encountered Polish immigrants in your time? Do you remember have any specifics I mean, of that? Sure, probably. Okay. Uh, the only reason I bring it up is because once again in this horrible variety review that was criticizing Jan for being ugly. Um, uh, they state that Jessica Chastain wrestles to sound as Polish as possible, and like most of the other characters in the film that aren't actually Polish actors, end up sounding like uneducated Polish immigrants. And I was like, do they? And she's like, as opposed to Daniel Bruhl and all his ilk, who sound very educated. So I didn't. That didn't come up for me at all watching the film. I never thought, no. oh, they sound like un- uneducated Polish immigrants. That seemed weird to me. No, they didn't speak in broken <laughs> English. No, that would have been. A few bridges too far. <laughs> if they're speaking with th- comedically thick accents and broken English, supposedly speaking their native language. <laughs> That's right. That um, would have been terrible. <laughs> but it did. It did come up like because I, I did think about this. Like because I'm uh, essentially ignorant. I guess people uh, from overseas often think of New Zealand and Australian accents as quite similar. Um, I was watching this film and like, oh yeah, every now and then someone sounded a bit different. But to me, it just all sounded like misc European. I'm like, yeah, they're all Polish, you know. Like, it never, it never struck me. Whereas I imagine a person in Poland, even though I understand this film was garnered favorably in in Poland, would probably be watching the film going, what are all these accents? Like, this is weird. I mean, I guess I can see a little bit where the review is coming from, and that Jessica Chastain, I think, has the most accent. <laughs> the most. You know, like, and and she's the the main star, and she's also the only native English speaker, right? Because right. everyone else is European, and so the you know, yeah, speak German or Dutch or Polish or Israeli, yeah, I, I think, or yeah, oh yes. So right. everyone has an accent, but I mean, and I think Daniel Brühl's accent has is smoothed out a bit. Yeah, like he's not he's not fully German, right? Like. It's, yes, he's yeah. not speaking like the Germans. Yeah, you know, and so he's, he's, yeah, it's it's quite smoothed out, which I think is where uh, maybe that reviewer is taking that view from. Yeah, I, I was just wondering, like, do do we need to have? I was wondering because when I was watching Valkyrie, I'm like, oh yeah, Tom Cruise isn't doing a German accent, right? Like he's just being mm. American, and I and I'm okay with that. Like I'm like, I know Jessica Chastain's not Polish, but she's playing a Polish character. I mean, it's always better when the people that you're playing are from, you know, the actors are from the place you're playing. But if you're not, I don't necessarily have a problem with the accent. Because uh, the reason I mentioned this, because at times it seemed a little jarring. I was like, oh, this is, this is quite a lot of accent going on. But it's a weird well, I one. Think I'm, also, I'm not if, sure what to do with that. Yeah, I think it's just, just it's, uh, it's something I tend to think about every now and then. And I think it's, if this film had been made entirely with an English or American cast, Mm. Right, and then everyone just speaks in their natural kind of accent. Mm. That is less jarring. Right, right, right. But right. because the majority of the rest of the cast, no matter sort of what you do, like they're going to have some sort of accent, some sort right. of Europe, misc Europeanish, right, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. accent. So if Jessica Chastain then was the only one who didn't have any sort of accent, if she just had a standard American accent, you know standard cinematic american accent that's right that yeah. would stick out more right yeah 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 i think i think it's only because we know that's not what jessica chastain t- 
typically sounds like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the only reason I read it was because I was, cause I was watching Die Hard, reading Die Hard, and I was like, oh yeah, when when Die Hard is in, you know, seen in Europe, like the Germans are like, what are these guys speaking? You know, and, and in America, like they're German. <laughs> uh, okay, close. All right, that's that's a, that's enough about the accent. Um, uh, we should probably start wrapping up. Uh, there was one quote from Nikki Caro, not about this film, but just because it's her film. Uh, that I was like interested in was she said, uh, when Whale Rider started to become quite successful in the States, I got offered a lot of projects. Uh, admittedly, most of them involved large mammals and small girls. <laughs> great quote. And I was like, well, you've, 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 um, you've fulfilled That's your niche. That. That's all you well, are now. Well, you've got it. In the zookeeper's wife, there's large, there's large mammals and there are small girls. So well done. You, you've done it. It's your niche. Full circle. <laughs> all right. Uh, I enjoyed this film a lot. I thought it was really good. I had a good time with it. Well, five, as much five as stars. one can. With five a, stars. With a um, Holocaust. Holocaust movie. Rewatch every month. Yeah. It does have quite quite the happy, happy ending. Hmm. It was too happy, but then that's sort of just what happened. So it's... It's like the ending of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Jan's back. He's alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that did really happen in real life. I don't know if it happened quite in the way it showed in the movie, but I was down with it. I'm like, oh, we've seen some pretty bad shit so far. Let's have something nice and happy. Yay, yeah. happy. Ending. And it's, I mean, it's, I think, yeah, the last the last few bits of the film, I don't know, kind of right after the big scene of trying to get everyone out before the Germans arrive as, you know, the, the Reich is falling. And so that's right. They're all pissy. Um, <laughs> so she's, getting all of the Jewish people that are in the basement, out of the basement, trying to get them out. Um, it's all very big emotional action. And then she thinks her son's been shot by Daniel Brühl, but then he's not sort of immediately revealed as being okay. Um, and then Daniel Brühl just kind of... Buggers off. Yeah, fucks off over a rainbow. and Off to breed cattle. Yeah, and then it sort of... It, there's a couple of moments. It's, it gives another date again i think mm. sort of as things you know end of the war sort of thing and then immediate like and that's for like a minute or two and then it immediately jumps to one year later that's right yeah yeah and, and sort of like oh that's a bit that's that's a scene where i got a little bit like oh this is like you know that the joke that shane blake makes like oh the their, their buddy that helps them out in the zoo is alive oh and yarn's alive oh and everyone else yeah. is alive and oh let's have a picnic um but i was ready for a happy ending by then um I did notice once again in the 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 IMDb trivia that there was an hour and a half cut of this movie, so I suspect there's probably more stuff where they were like, "Wow, we don't need all this. <laughs> we can just so hold it, So yeah, maybe I mean, as a mini series, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's it. And I did think, Sounds oh, like... that 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 end, like you just described, is quite compressed. Like I'm pretty sure a lot of that one and a half mm. hours is there. Like that's where it's come from. It just. Because it's like, oh, oh, we're, oh, this is really sad. We're all walking out of Warsaw. This sucks. Ah, oh, one year later, we're all back in Warsaw. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's uh, and again because it's covering such a large swath of time, mm. it's quite tricky. I guess that's why everything's going to TV. Golden age of TV. That's how that works now. I guess everything yeah. is television now. Yeah, this would be this would be a prestige television project. The Zookeeper's Wife, uh, or a uh, streaming project. <laughs> That's right, Steam Project. Cool, I'm I'm good. This is this is this was uh, I enjoy this film. Yay, Nikki Kara making yeah. films. Oh, in actually, Hollywood. there was just one one final um, 
grace note sort of thing that I wanted to point out is again showing the inhumanity and everything behind the, the Holocaust and the pogroms uh, without needing to see graphic details is mm. at one point, you know, um, John's in the ghetto and I think he's coming out and you, it's not really made very blatant, but it's there and you can see it. There is a young woman dressed up to the nines. That's right. Yeah. Like a bright blue outfit. She's standing outside the gate, having her photo taken, taken. Yeah. with the chaos of the ghetto. And I mean, you can hear gunshots going There's off. Gunshots at that just point. Yeah. Her. So she's, yeah. yeah, I was like, Oh, that's, yeah, horrific but so true to yeah. humanity <laughs> so yeah. true to like the you know it's it's the the modern equivalent of people at a crash site or some sort of horrific event live streaming it to their facebook or or even even going to the freaking the nazi death camps and taking happy selfies oh, and smiley selfies yeah <laughs> people are doing very that. strange very strange phenomenon yes Humanity sucks. That's why I was fine with the happy ending, Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's I need, a I fair it. point. I was like, I you know it. what? Yes, she I was very it. happy that he was alive, and I felt that too. So good, good, very good. Yes, yes. five stars. It's <laughs> great. I I am interested. I mean, you know, Mulan's an interesting prospect just uh in general so it'd be interesting to see what nikki caro does the diversity was a big issue so i'm really you know they've cast a, a an asian woman in the lead which is great instead of it being anyone else because you can't do that now as we we mentioned on the well, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't interview podcast. Yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, do that. shouldn't have been doing that anyway but yeah cool i guess we'll be back soon with another episode this is uh this is season four of the end of film i'm gonna give the film five stars uh you can find us on the internet at ntzof on the twitter or uh, what's the website? Intozofilm.wordpress.com, yeah? Intozofilm.wordpress.com, that's right. And you can listen to us where all good podcasts are found. Uh, you can find me on the Twitter, at me about whether you think I'm correct in my opinions about this film, because that's what the internet is for. Uh, at Rajivfilm, R-A-J-E-E-V-F-I-L-M. Uh, I'd like to be wrong on the internet. Please tell me if I'm wrong on the internet. That'd be good. <laughs> You're just inviting it now. Good <laughs> Lord. Where can they find you, Andrew? Uh, well, if you want to at me to share great barbecue recipes, um, you can do that at Andy James underscore Inc with a K. <laughs> also, also on Letterboxd and Instagram. I guess if you want to share a barbecue recipe or a, cool. a great beer that you've discovered, I mean, you can and do you can that find, on Letterboxd, I guess. And you, and you can weird, find, but sure. You can find Andrew on LinkedIn at Andy James underscore. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. All right, we'll let, the, we'll let the people go. Thank you for listening to us prattle on about The Zookeeper's Wife. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I would recommend uh, finding it. It's cool. Oh, yes, well, and very quickly on that, um, if you are listening to us from outside of New Zealand, uh, The Zookeeper's Wife is available to purchase on Amazon Video. So that's where you can find that. Hopefully they've seen it before listening to us. Okay. Hopefully. But, all right. See you all soon. Crack with a day episode. All.